Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Yeah, have you ever have you ever gotten really frustrated with your spiritual progress? <laughs> Lack of it? You know, sometimes you could be in a gathering like this and Pastor Jonathan's teaching and maybe it's about self-controlling. Say, yeah, God, I'm really going to, boy, this, he's helped me figure out how I could do self-control. I'm going to get out there. And before the day's over, you know, you're, you worry or you lust or you, you fear. And you th- I, I thought I was going to get control over that. And there, there it is happening again. And... Uh, that's not me doing that music, just so you know. You want me to sing? I'll sing later, okay? But uh, there's times where you can do something that you regret. <laughs> and you say, okay, that's the last time. I, all right, I'm going to change now. I'm going to change. And then you get out there later on that week, the pressure's on, and you fall flat on your face again. Have anybody ever been there? I don't expect you to raise your hand. But... Or, or, or you get one of these on the way in, right? Oh, yeah, groups. All right, this fall season, I've heard about the benefits of groups for years. I'm part of this church family. We're coming out of some of the worst of COVID, and I, I'm, I'm going to be part of one of these groups. And uh, I'm going to start this fall. You leave here, and you don't make it to the blue wall. Or if you're online, you don't make it to the website to, to find out more information, to be part of the groups. You know, it's just, it's just so easy. Now, if, if you and I were to vote for the followers of Jesus, the 12 that we know in the Gospels, ever read the Gospels? They're all there. If you and I voted for the one follower of Jesus, the one disciple who was least likely to get these things really well, who would it be? Faith. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love. You know, when I look at self-control and perseverance, there's one name that comes to my mind that they didn't seem, they were always, you know, they got their merds wixed up. They just blurted out, you know, they would tell everyone else what they should do and then they would not do it themselves. You know, matter of fact, he sort of knew it. When Jesus first called this individual to follow him, he, he, he said, follow me. And, 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 and Peter's first response when meeting Jesus is to say, you don't want me as your follower. Matter of fact, you can read it in the Gospels. He says, stay away from me, Jesus. It wasn't that he didn't admire and just already begin to have a heart for Jesus. He, he just didn't think he could ever make it as a Christian. I'm just going to mess up. I'm going to be least likely to succeed in any areas that you, you do so perfectly, Jesus. You don't want me as your follower. But then after two years of following Jesus, this individual has this brilliant moment where he gets it so right, this big revelation, and he says, Jesus, who do you guys think I am? And he says, you are the Messiah, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, the Spirit of God has revealed that to you. And then guess what happens next? <laughs> Jesus begins to talk about when he goes to Jerusalem, the Messiah is going to die and give his life for people. And you know what Peter does? It, it's in the Bible. It says he rebukes Jesus. The one who just a few seconds ago recognized him as the son of the living God says, son of the living God, you're not getting it right. Ouch. That's brutal. But after three years, when his apprenticeship is complete with Jesus, finally, right? Jesus says to the disciples, he says, I, you know, he has communion with them. Lord's table, and he says, uh, I, I'm going to go and go to the cross. And, and, and Peter says, Jesus, even if others deny you, I will not deny you. I will die for you before I deny you. Jesus is arrested and flogged. <laughs> this individual not only denies knowing Jesus, he says he doesn't even know who Jesus is. <laughs> that moment's beyond brutal. But let's fast forward, not two years, middle of his apprenticeship, not three years at the end of his apprenticeship, but 30 years of following Jesus. Who do you think wrote these words? If you do these things, you will, say it with me. <laughs> sure not Peter, right? I mean, he's, he's, uh, if anything he was good at, it was stumbling. It was just a part of his journey of following Jesus, this constant sum. Who do you think wrote this? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Both quotes are from Peter. How can Peter, of all followers of Jesus, say that? What happened? Well, you know what happened? Time, 30 years of it, about 30 years of it. You know what else happened? The Spirit's constant power at work in Peter's life, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And then, you know what else? Humility. Humbly, Peter, humbly getting up from one brutal failure after another until he walked with beautiful confidence in the very places where he used to stumble. Welcome to the Brutal Faith Series. First person I ever heard use that word was Pastor Jonathan. Brutal. Brutal Faith Series. Where you and I are going to learn how Peter got to that place. How he matured. And you and I are going to be able to say, I can get there too. I can get to a place where I walk with confidence in the very areas I used to stumble in. God has given me everything I need to live this godly life. Now, some of you are going to be in shock with what I'm going to be saying next. A few days ago, I turned 66. No, no, I'm not saying... You're not supposed to... You're supposed to... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't believe that. Everything you've said, I believe, but up until now... You're supposed to say stuff like that, or at least think it. Now, birthdays tell you how long you've been on the road of life, but they don't tell how far you've traveled, right? I could tell you I'm 66. That doesn't tell you how mature I am. 
doesn't tell you how much growing up I've done. Growing old is mandatory. How many know growing up is optional? How many know someone? They may have an adult body, but they can do temper tantrums as good as a toddler. <laughs> they are evidence that you can stay immature in areas of your life indefinitely. Now, Pastor Jonathan last week showed such cute pictures of himself as a child and teenager. All that hair and uh, it just, what a cute kid. I was looking at some pictures of mine. I was a cute baby. But, uh, oh, you, you got one up here already. All right, that's me. Look at, what were we thinking? We thought that was cool. Family portrait in the early 60s. And then we thought hair. I, I used to think this hair was cool. <laughs> I, I told you, Keenan, we're going to go through these very quickly. I used to think cowboy was cool when I had a horse. I used to think these clothes were cool. And then, uh, you know what went through my mind when I saw this one? Does that young adult look mature enough to be a father? <laughs> no. Oh, but then finally, I matured to this church, and I moved to Toronto, and I was with you, and I was so mature. And then I got midlife crisis cool. <laughs> but then who needs a motorbike when you mature to be a grandfather, right? Yeah. Am I mature yet? Yes. <laughs> church family. Pastor John, what have you been teaching them? No, and I never will be. Never will be. Never will be. You know, so, so it's easy to think, well, Pastor Keith, I know what your first point is going to be. It's going to be Jesus is the only one who has it all. The rest of us have a lot of catching to do. No. Here's the first point. Jesus is the only one who has it all, and in Jesus we have all it takes to be like him. Listen, who, no one does faith and goodness and knowledge and self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love perfectly, except for Jesus. He's the only one that does them, and thank God he does them perfect. He does them perfectly. It's what makes him so trustworthy, and we can trust him to be at work in our lives because... He's perfect in all of his ways. Jesus is evidence that holiness and humanity can coexist in the same being. Now, I don't know how you've, in, so far in your journey, tried to become a better person. Maybe someone in your life inspired you. You have someone in your life, and they're a hero, and they inspire you. Maybe you've taken a, a self-help course or self-help books, and so many good insights from those. Or, or seasons like this, uh, you know, fall, it's a new start, a new year in my studies, new year in the workplace, I've got these goals and objectives, I, I can do better than I'm, I, I've been doing, I resolve to be a better person. And for us one-churchers, we, we, we can just say, I, in this new series, I'm going I'm to become a better person, I'm going to become more and more like you, Jesus. Well, in Jesus... We have all it takes to be like him. How many have no problem with Jesus has it all, right? We have it all? Well, in, in, Paul, in Peter's first letter, he wrote this. He says, you have been born again. He uses that phrase, born again. That means you're, 
start all over again. A whole new life, and he says it will last forever. He says it's a life in Jesus, a life that can do what the old life couldn't do. You're born again, you have a new life in Jesus. Now, in the second letter where we're going to be, his last letter that he wrote to followers of Jesus, he says, you have God's divine nature in you. (laughs) So when you're born again, you're born again spiritually. You have God, you have Christ in you. You have the spirit of God in you. He says, you have divine power in you. You have power. Power that's, listen, way beyond the capacity of the best self-help books and programs. Your most inspirational hero that just helps you up your game, or your strongest willpower and resolve. Now, if that's true, you know, because we have all it takes to be like Jesus. How, how many are with me on this one? If I have God's nature and power, how come I still mess up and don't progress faster than I do? If in Jesus I have what it takes, how come I face something and and I don't seem to have what it takes? There I go again. If I am born again into a whole new person in Jesus, why am I not a whole lot more mature? All right, time to illustrate. During COVID, Esther and I had our first granddaughter. We had four grandsons, finally a granddaughter. Eleanor was born. We're so grateful for this little girl. But listen, she was born complete. She was born complete. All the organs were there. She, she was complete. Now, she had a lot of growing up to do, but she was born complete. You know, David and Katie, the parents, didn't send her back to the hospital after six months to get the ears, nose, and toes installed. <laughs> she already had the, the She had them. All they needed to do was to grow, to mature. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've opened your heart to Jesus. You have Jesus in you. You are born again. You are complete. You have all that it takes. All you need to do is And Jesus, watch this. You'll see it with Peter. Jesus sees what we can look like when we mature, when we grow. Jesus, he doesn't just see who we are now, he sees who we can become. You know, when I was in uh, high school, I worked in the grocery store for years, actually, while I was in high school, and I'll never forget the evening uh, I went to the grocery manager's office to let them know that I was resigning, I was going to college in the fall, and the grocery manager's wife was there, uh, Mrs. Mosher. And, uh, and, and I explained, I said, uh, and they said, well, why are you resigning? I'm going to Bible college in the fall. You're going to Bible college? She picked up the conversation. She said, you're going to Bible college? She said, why? I said, well, I want to help people. I want to serve God. Maybe someday I'll be a pastor. And she took one look at this skinny, long-haired, motorcycle-driving, drum-playing Halifax hippie and said, you? You will never be a pastor. She saw me as I was. (laughs) She didn't see. You know, matter of fact, concurrent to that, meanwhile, back at high school, uh, the 
guidance counselor did something she'd never done before. She told my mom, I've never done this before, but she called my mom to say, your son, Keith, has just took this aptitude test, and I can see from the aptitude test that he would be very good at many other careers, but he want, but not clergy. That's always <laughs> Not clergy. He will never, ever... She phoned. My mom didn't tell me about that for years. She's told me about it several times since then. You know, it was even worse for Peter. Peter did not believe in Peter. When Jesus invited Peter to be his follower, he go away from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. I don't have what it takes. I mess things up. Peter did not believe in Peter. But listen to me. Jesus believed in Peter. Listen, listen to Jesus' response. Follow me. I see you're good at fishing, but I can see you in your future. You're going to be good at reaching people. You're going to be a fisher of men. Over time, Peter, I'm going to make you into something that you do not see yourself becoming. Because I, I don't just see who you are now. I see who you can become. And then remember, remember that uh, mid-apprenticeship moment uh, Peter's first to declare, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, the Spirit of God has revealed that to you. And he, Jesus immediately begins to tell him he's going to go to Jerusalem and give his life for people. And, and what Peter does next is embarrassing, right? He rebukes Jesus. Ouch. But watch this. Hold, hold on. Before we leave that conversation that Peter turned so brutal, listen to what Jesus said in the middle of it. Now I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Do you see it? Right in the middle of Peter's second most brutal mess-up moment, Jesus says, I see you, Peter, not just as you are now. I see who you can become. You say, second most brutal moment? What was the most brutal one? Well, remember that one where Jesus is going to be crucified, tries to prepare his followers. We're going to have communion later to remember that. He, Jesus had communion with his disciples. And then Jesus says, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, Peter, you're going to deny that you know me three times. And Peter's response is, I die for you before I deny you. And Jesus is arrested, flogged, and the Roman servant girl recognizes Peter as one of Jesus' followers and, 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 and says, you know, you're you're one of them followers of Jesus. He says, Jesus who? Jesus who? I don't even know what you're talking about. When Jesus' eyes met Peter's, had to be, had to be the most brutal moment of Peter's life. What a failure. But, but, but hold on, hold on. L listen to what the rest of what Jesus said right in the middle of telling Peter that he would deny him three times. Listen to what he says. But I have prayed for you, Simon, Simon Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Do you see it? Right in the middle of brutal, Jesus talked to beautiful. Jesus knows that Peter's about to make three supersized failures, but he speaks of Peter's future. Beyond those failures, 
Peter, you're going to fail, but you're going to turn back and I see your future. You're not stuck in your discouraging failures forever. You're going to be strengthening others so that they will not fail. You'll be telling them, you're writing them a letter someday, say, if you do these things, you will not fail. And you'll know from firsthand experience how many are thankful that Jesus sees us not as we are, but as we can be. Amen? Jesus sees his followers rising up out of failures again and again until we get to the place where we say his power has given me everything I need to live a godly life for Jesus Christ. See, Jesus' goal is not to get us old and then die and then get us into heaven where everything will be beautiful. No, uh, beauty starts now. On earth, Jesus' goal is to see us mature by following him through brutal moments on earth, becoming more and more, watch this, like his son, so much so that other people see Jesus in us and they want to follow Jesus too. That's what Jesus' objective is. So let's be honest here. What stops us from, from stepping out in faith and doing good? Often it's our own insecurities, right? <laughs> We're like Peter saying, I, I can't do it. I can't, I can't be that good, Jesus. I, or past failures. I messed up. I'm just going to mess up again. Or we worry. You know, we go to do something good and we think, oh, I wonder what other people are going to think of me if I do that. Or we're trying to please someone else. Can you imagine the good that you would do in your life from now till the End of your life. Can you imagine the good that you would do if you knew how accepted and loved you were by Jesus? If you really knew how wanted you were. <laughs> if you knew that the one who knew the worst about you loved you the most, you'd feel so secure. They accept me as I am. They see good in me. You, you, you'd be fearless. You, you'd want to move forward and be more complete and whole. You'd step out in faith and do good things no matter what anyone else thought of you. And all eight of those things would grow. Your faith, your goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, love. Wherever you're at in any of them, every one of them would grow. We'll get into that next week, how each one grows. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, the more we let God take us over, the more ourselves we become. Because he made us. He invented us. He invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. And Jesus, no self-help course, no religion, no, no, no one else can do that, only Jesus. Because he made us, he knows us, gave his life for us, has this future in mind for us, no one else. So, so Jesus is the only one who has what it takes to get there, so follow him. All right, before we have communion and pray, here's three next steps for you to follow him. Watch this, don't try to be like Jesus without Jesus. I just need to get more religious and, and do better. Listen, no, religion can at its best tell you how to be good, but it has no power to make you good. Self-help resources can give us insights on how we can become better, but they cannot provide the power. The, the, the most inspiring people can only at best give you a temporary boost to move forward. 
Willpower gets the willies, right? It's not a sustainable power. It wears down. It weakens over time. Peter says, Jesus' power is different. It's in you when you're born again. It's a power that God who made us gives us. He lives in us. So don't try to be like Jesus without Jesus. Aren't you glad for this? Jesus will never ask you to become something without giving you the power to do it. A lot of people around say, you should do this, you should do that. Well, Jesus comes along and says, I send you my spirit, give you the power to become what I'm calling you to be. But have you ever noticed that follow me always comes before I will make you? Not make yourself self-controlled and loving and kind and then follow me. No, (laughs) follow me and I'll make you. I'll make you. We get made more like Jesus when we follow Jesus. All right, so second, second next step would be this. Praise him for where your faith has brought you so far. Uh, U2's Bono sings the lyrics, I'm a long way from your hill on Calvary and a long way from where I was where I need to be. You know what a lot of us in the room and online are doing right now? Yeah, I'm a long way from where I need to be. Especially you perfectionists. You bug me. No, anyway. <laughs> what about this? I lo- I'm a long way from where I was. Don't skip that part. Don't skip that part. None of us are where we need to be. Get used to it. That's Jesus. We've got a long way to go. But thank God I'm a long way from where I used to be. Right? Long way from where I was. What about praising God for the distance you've already journeyed since you began following Jesus? Yes, slips up and down like Peter, but, but, but you've, you've made progress. You're moving forward. Listen, my, my, my uh, granddaughter just turned one year old. Eleanor can't even run. No, she can't run. She, a lot of other things she can't do. She can't read. She can't even read yet. Do you know how important it is to read? She can't do algebra. She can't even do emails. She doesn't have her own phone. She can't even get mail the old-fashioned way. She doesn't know what that is. Is she mature? Is she mature? You be careful what you say about a granddaughter. Is she mature? Hold on. She's a mature one-year-old. She's where she should be. Do you see that? It's how God sees you. Not, you're not like Jesus yet. You're not like my son yet. No. He, he sees where you've journeyed. He sees your heart. He knows you're in, online today or you're in this room because you, you want to be more like Jesus. That's why you're here. That's the longing of your heart, and he sees that. Oh, praise him for where your faith is brought. You know, when I came in yesterday, Pastor Jonathan, I just came in, I can't remember what for, but I was thinking as I was walking through the doors, I heard music, and I I thought, oh, I wish they'd sing a song about God's faithfulness tomorrow morning, you know? 
And uh, the first words I heard uh, Natalie sing as I was walking through these south lobby doors were, walking around these walls. Told you I'd sing. (laughs) I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never failed me yet. You've never failed me yet. How about taking a moment to say thank you, Jesus, for where you got me so far. Right on? And then, and then, and then third, and then third. Whatever faith you now have, add to it. Add to it. Listen to Peter's advice. He says, if you possess these qualities, don't miss this now, in increasing measure. You have them all, you possess them, but they they mature in increasing measure. You grow into them over time in increasing measure. Listen, do not minimize the distance you'll go with one small step with Jesus. Don't minimize it. What happened to Peter? Jesus wants to happen to you. Wants to happen to you. I love what Peter says after about 30 years of following Jesus. He says, you know, you do these things, you'll never fall. He's he's basically saying, I don't fail in the areas I used to. Isn't that great? It only took 30 years. I don't fail in the areas I used to. The Spirit of God, I've learned, He's there, He gives me power. And I've been humbly getting up from one brutal failure after another and gotten to a beautiful place where I walk in confidence where I once stumbled. Listen, listen, listen. You won't get maturity without humility. Listen, be humble or you're guaranteed to stumble. Following Jesus doesn't mean you don't fail, you don't stumble, you don't fall. It means that when you fall, you're a bit further down the road. The only way to get to destination beautiful is to have brutal moments of honesty and humility and faith. Pastor John, I'm so excited about where God's people, online, church family, in this room, where we're going to be eight weeks from now. Now, Pastor Jonathan won't be up here giving out certificates. You have arrived at maturity. No. But, but you know, this is so resourceful. The, the pastors have uh, got tools already. You know that follow? Listen, as of this morning, 274 of our church family online and in this room have taken that follow assessment. It's all it does, it sort of says, okay, if I'm to measure how I'm doing in certain areas, here's how I'm doing. And then it also offers resources. I, I remember I just did two of them up here on the platform. One for if you've never prayed before, I got a video for you. And if you've prayed for years and we're looking for a new challenge, I have a video. That's just my little contribution to a lot of pastors contributing to this whole follow thing. Get in on that. You know, well, how do you do that? Blue wall or go online and follow and do that assessment. It just helps us. Okay, here's where I am. Helps us know where to go. You listen, eight weeks from now, how many say, Jesus, I want to be walking more confidently along the path of righteousness in the exact places where I used to stumble? Right on? Can you imagine? It can happen. I, I, I love this quote from Thomas Merton. He says, How far have I to go to find you in whom I have already arrived? <laughs> 
We're going to have communion now. You know why? Because nothing will give you the power and inspire you and give you traction in your spiritual journey like your love for Jesus. It's when you see how much he loves you, (laughs) you say, I can trust a love like that. I love you, Jesus, right back. (laughs) I love you right back. So I want to invite you just to uh, take the communion emblems that you received right in. And let's just do the logistics here. If you're at home, the online uh, hosts have helped prepare you for this moment. Just, just right now, just take the, the, the bread. And then, and then do this, just break it, break it. Jesus says, this is my body and it's broken for you. Do you know why he did that? Because he, he wanted us to know, he, he's basically saying, Peter, Wherever you're broken, I'm going to get in that brokenness with you. I'm broken for you. That's what he says to you and me. He says, you, I know your worst moments. I know your brokenness. I know where you fail. But you know what? I believe in you. I believe in your future. So I'm going to be broken for you so you can have one. Oh, with grateful hearts, let's, let's just go ahead and receive of the bread together. Just hold the cup. And just before you receive it, just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How about we pray it this way? Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing away from my life continuously everything that doesn't look like you. Every worry, every anxiety, every fear, every sin that damages me and damages other people in my life. Thank you that you can cleanse them. You, you provided on the cross through the, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Thank you, Jesus. Let's receive the cup together. Just pray with me. Thank you, Jesus, for taking me as is. <laughs> Every time I fail, help me get up again. Thank you for seeing who I can become. And Lord, at the beginning of this series, this first weekend, I I, want to be more like you, Jesus. I love you. I love you, Jesus. No one I love more. No one I want to please more. In this series, Lord, help me receive the power that you have placed in me so that I can become more like you. Right now, I add to my faith by taking another step of loving you and following you because I love you with all my heart, Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.